All right, hey everyone, Sam here from Wall Street Mastermind. I'm back today with another exciting client interview for you guys. Um, today I have George with me. Uh, well, we're gonna call him George, it's actually a pseudonym, uh, just in full transparency, but uh, we're with George. Um, he's a real person, don't worry. But uh, George, is uh, uh, when he first came to us, um, he's a rising junior from Harvard. Uh, I believe we started working together in July. July before his junior year and uh, at the time um, obviously George goes to a great school uh, but he didn't really have a whole lot of relevant finance experience uh, at the time and uh, outside of maybe the one student investment fund that he was a part of at school and even that one he had just joined you know the prior semester so uh, but I'm glad to say uh, a little over two months later uh, by late September I believe um, he had his offer locked up for his junior summer internship. So definitely want to get George on here to talk to you guys and just share a little bit about his experience and talk about how he was able to do that in such a short amount of time. And so, uh, George, thank you for uh, taking the time today. No, I'm happy to talk with you guys. Absolutely. So, uh, I know I just gave like a quick intro, but, uh, can you kind of introduce yourself a bit as well in the, in, in the sense of it's like give our listeners um, a bit more context around what type of candidate you were when you first came to Wall Street National. Like back in July, what kind of candidate were you on paper? Just so people can kind of relate, like, you know, if they feel like, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of similar to what I am right now. Or maybe this doesn't sound similar to me at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess best place to start is probably around the end of the sophomore year towards the beginning of summer and how it looked like for me at that time. Um, as Sam had mentioned, I didn't have much relevant finance experience outside of an investment club that I joined the spring of my sophomore year. So just the semester before recruiting season would, would have started. Um, in addition, I had come in very late wanting to do investment banking, really didn't make the decision until about April or May of that year. Um, my GPA was like relatively competitive, but not the highest at around a 3.6. I needed to rely really heavily on networking to try to get my name at all the different banks out, um, try to learn as much as possible and try to prepare myself for the first round of interviews I would be able to get. Um, for about the month before Wall Street Mastermind, I just reached out to over 100 people, most of them in investment banking. I got a very low response rate, um, talked to roughly just a few of them. Um, at that point, I was also trying to speak with just anyone in finance in general, people like in asset management, even on the buy side. Um, but it was sort of haphazard, not really guided or focused at the time. Um, and really only had two solid connections at Wuhan, Loki and Goldman Sachs to go off of. Um, prior to just working with Sam, um, my behaviorals were relatively decent, just, um, but I would have only rated myself a six out of 10. I had done like preparation for other types of recruiting, but nothing specific to finance in terms of behaviorals. And my technicals were quite poor. I would have rated myself a two out of three out of 10, um, just cause like I haven't done the prep to study and I didn't know exactly what type of material was the most important things to focus on in terms of my prep. Got it, got it. Okay, so really to summarize what you just said, um, not a lot of relevant, or I guess really no, no relevant finance experience, at least from a work perspective. Exactly. Um, Okay, GPA, somewhat competitive, but not the highest. And so you were really focused on networking as hard as possible. 
I mean, reaching out to over a hundred people in just one short month, that's uh, very impressive. I mean, definitely not for a lack of effort, right? Uh, right, right. Um, but it sort of felt that um, all the hours I were putting in, I was getting very low return off of and uh, kind of needed to change. Right, right. Yeah, because you weren't, you weren't really, you didn't really have anyone that was like, oh yeah, I'm really confident this guy's going to help me get an interview, right? Despite all of these people that you talk to. Um, so yeah, exactly. Okay. So you want to change that. And then even if you were able to get interviews, I guess you probably didn't have a lot of time to prepare for the interview because all of your time was going towards networking. Right. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like super common here that all the time is everyone says, well, you know, I'm just focused on doing what I can to get the interview right now, because if I can't get the interview in the first place, then there's no need to prep for the interview. Right. Right. What I always tell people is, and I probably told you this at the time too, is while that may be true, um, if and when you do get the interview, it's going to happen very quickly, right? And they don't really give you a whole lot of time to, they don't, they're not going to say like, hey, George, take another two weeks and go study on your technicals and yeah, no. when you're ready, right? So, <laughs> so, so I probably like the, the, the lack of efficiency or lack of effectiveness, I guess they go hand in hand. Um, was kind of preventing you from having the bandwidth to do everything you needed to do. Then. Right, right. It's kind of almost a circular dilemma. Like, do I spend right. more time recruiting to try to guarantee more first round interviews? But even if I do that, I have not done enough prep. Or do I do enough prep that I can make it through the interviews, but not do enough recruiting that I don't get any in the first place? So, right. odd dilemma to be in. Right, got it. Okay. So, you mentioned that um, you decided on investment banking relatively late, right? Yeah. Um, what was it like the second semester of your sophomore year? Is that kind of when you decided? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in terms of just thinking about the type of work experience and what like my post-grad opportunities I was looking into um, prior to like sophomore spring, I was mostly focused on uh, consulting and then thinking about doing management type consulting. Um, I transitioned really hard out of that um, sophomore fall. As soon as I realized that the work in a sense was kind of BS in a way, um, I didn't felt that the work was as impactful or as fulfilling as, um, or I, that I would learn nearly as much as I would in investment banking. Um, for me, investment banking was the perfect opportunity for me to learn as much as I can. And like just the first few years out of graduation, it, it'll really challenge me um, to grow like quickly, um, challenges my flexibility, um, and helps me develop some more hard and technical skills that I, I would have felt than any other sort of post-grad opportunity available to me. Um, so that's kind of why I transitioned really hard upon that realization. Yeah. Um, obviously, the pay is really great, um, and it's kind of a boost in pay from consulting. But I think the most important thing for me was sort of the unrivaled opp exit opportunities, um, whether I want to stay in investment banking, whether I want to move into private equity. And if anything, it's always easier to move from investment banking to consulting than vice versa. Mm, got it. Okay. So, and, and was the catalyst for this switch from management consulting to investment banking, was that because you joined the student investment fund at school or how did you, how did you find out about banking? Yeah. So um, upon joining that club at school, uh, at the time I had done a lot of great work with the consulting club, but, um, had talked to some of my peers expressed like my concerns about working in consulting about how it wouldn't be fulfilling enough for me. It wouldn't give me the right type of skills that I were looking for or was looking for. Um, so I was sort of hawked to join onto this investment club. 
um, upon joining, I had little clue as to what, like, I could not tell you the difference at the time between investment banking and private equity, for example. Um, but just speaking with more and more of my peers um, and talking, a lot of them were working in investment banking at the time, either for the upcoming summer or for full time. Um, and they all sort of concurred that um, given my personality, what I was looking for out of like the first few years in post-graduation, um, especially what type of skills I wanted to learn and what type of work environment I wanted to be in, investment banking would have been a perfect fit. I wish I had learned this freshman year rather than sophomore year, but um, in the end, it didn't change the results. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, at a school like Harvard or any other elite uh, institutions, I feel like the students that want to go into business are typically choosing between investment banking and management consulting. You know, like those are like the two uh, most, I guess, popular, most prestigious uh, or viewed as the best opportunities, right? And so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think um, our career services publishes statistics every year. And I think um, aside from the people that stay in academia and go on to like further graduate programs, uh, management consulting uh, and investment banking are the two largest areas for our graduate and seniors. Right, right. And like, I mean, I get this question from people all the time, where that they say like, you know, what are the pros and cons of doing one versus the other, right? Right. Uh, and obviously I'm biased, but I think you'll agree with me on this, which is you kind of already said this. I always tell people um, when you're not sure about I'm not saying investment is always better. Obviously, if you know that you want to do management consulting, you should do management consulting, right? But if you're the type of person that's not really sure which one is better for you, then the way I like to operate is I always try to preserve maximum uh, flexibility and just optionality, right? Meaning if I can, if I go into investment banking first, how easy is it for me if I want to switch into management consulting later and then vice versa, right? If I go into management consulting, how easy is it for me to switch into investment banking? And I think that most people uh, who work in the industry will tell you it's very easy to switch from investment banking into consulting, but uh, it's quite difficult to switch from consulting into investment banking, right? Just because you don't have, you don't have that like hardcore finance skill set. You don't know how to like build financial models. Whereas, if you want to be a consultant, you got to know how to think strategically about businesses, but you kind of do that as an investment banker anyway. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, um, consulting is a little fluffy, uh, in terms of thinking about the work. There's never, it's not like finance, uh, where, um, we're working with very hard skill sets and a lot of the skill sets are going to be like very tangible and translate over to whatever it is I want to do with the career. Whereas management consulting, they just say, um, we're training you in being a strategic problem solver, but okay, like what does it mean to be a strategic problem solver? It sounds uh, <laughs> a little too fluffy and not something that, uh, like a skill that I can easily sell in, let's say like a future interview. Right, right. And I mean, I think the other thing that people have to consider, which I'm sure you considered as well, is the exit opportunities coming out of both of those fields, right? Definitely, definitely. I think there are a lot of, um, similarities or overlap in terms of the opportunities that are available to you. But I think the one distinct difference is if your goal is to go to the buy side, right? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, like being realistic, like obviously um, working in other management consulting or investment banking is incredibly prestigious, but I think 
that in terms of thinking about exit opportunities and when you were to list either a management consulting firm or an investment bank on your resume, I think investment banking can speak to a lot more about your character than just what management consulting can. Um, more because like, obviously you can get the technical skills from investment banking, as we've already mentioned, but um, if you're able to put investment banking on your resume, for example, any recruiter will know like, okay, this person is able to work like very hard, uh, many hours a week and has a really great work ethic and determination is able to um, deal with difficult work culture and also is able to compete in a very selective recruitment process, in which case like investment banking, um, just looking at this statistically is a bit more selective. Than management. So I think for all of those reasons, um, it gives you better opportunities in the coming down the line in the future. Um, and in regards to buy side, um, a lot of buy side shops, PE, hedge funds, all sorts of different shops, um, look specifically from like investment analysts or associate levels um, because they get like sort of unrivaled training at all of these sorts of different banks um, and financial skill sets, um, as well as. You, they're able to tout, um, these candidates are able to tout the sort of reputation from their banks, the type of training programs that they were able to go through through the banks, skills they were able to get, um, as well as just obviously working in a financial setting um, and seeing live deals happening on a daily basis. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think just again from, uh, you know, if your goal is to work in private equity or hedge funds or even venture capital, from a skill set standpoint, um, the skills that you learn, at least the hard skills that you learn in investment banking, is just a lot more in alignment with uh, those jobs, right? Whereas, um, and so I think that, you know, like having worked in private equity myself and having a lot of friends that have worked in hedge funds and even venture capital, um, probably 90, 95% of the junior hires in those buy side firms come from top tier investment banks, right? And then, yeah, there's like the last 5%. That come from, you know, McKinsey, Bain, and BCG. But uh, outside of those three firms, you're probably not going to see uh, many management consultants on the buy side. And even if you are at one of those top three firms, you just look at the numbers. It's 95% versus 5%. So it's pretty obvious which one gives you more favorable odds, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, in a sense, management consulting sort of you have one more extra step to go. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So that, I mean, that all makes a whole, whole lot of sense. Um, so then you figured out you want to do banking, right? Second semester, sophomore year, you hadn't discovered Wall Street Mastermind yet. So kind of share with us, like, what were you doing back then uh, when it came to just preparing yourself for this process? Like, what were the different resources that you were kind of using? Yeah, honestly, uh, as I mentioned earlier, like my prep at that point was very haphazard. I like, didn't have enough as much guidance as I thought I could have uh, or needed. I spent most of my time just trying to get on the phone with as many people as possible. I had a very low response rate. Um, but like every time I got on the phone, like I had tons and tons of questions um, for them. Um, was trying to learn and pick up as much and like ask like everyone I talked to for some resume help. Uh, obviously, I went through like all the different sort of like textbooks available, like the 400 MI book, um, all the investment making and the assortment of prep books available, the vault guides. Um, but at that point, I didn't really have a sort of targeted strategy. And I felt very unsecure that, okay, I'm putting in all these hours. Um, and at least in like, from my own personal view, like I'm growing into better understand this industry. And I would do better in interviews if I were able to get any. But 
it was looking as like time progressed on and more and more of the banks progressed in their recruiting timelines that it was becoming ever unlikely that I would get, say, a first round interview or an offer in the end. I see. Okay. So, I mean, I hear, so, I mean, it sounds like the way that you were preparing originally was pretty much how the vast majority of the people prepare for recruiting today, right? Like they get the M&I guide right. or ball guide or whatever, and they just read it, try to memorize it, whatever. And I get this question from people a lot where they ask, uh, I mean, you know, you just get these guides, all the information is in there already, right? Like, isn't that good enough? Right. So like what, where do you feel like that, that those guides or whatever resources you had, where, where did that fall short? Like, isn't all the information out there already? Sure. I mean, I guess the information's out there, but um, there's only so many hours in the day. And if I want to spend a lot of the hours saying networking and trying to meet people and get my name out of banks, I don't really have say, the time to be reading, say, a 600-page textbook on top of like a 400-page textbook <laughs> all to like prep me for an interview, right? That's just like, like, I'm a human being. There's only 24 hours in the day and I like to sleep eight hours if I can. Right. Uh, so there's really a need to be able to target and find like, okay, this material is extraneous and relevant. Like it'd be nice if I could get through this material. But this is actually what it is that I need to learn, study, and uh, master. Mm, got it. Okay. So a big part of it is efficiency is what exactly. I mean, is sure. If I had all the time in the world, I could probably just read hundreds and hundreds of pages of stuff and eventually get to a level where I'm, I've mastered all of this, or I could probably just have an expert teach it to me and it would be a lot faster. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, sort of what I was most thankful for upon joining the program was um, after that, we came up with a sort of game plan and a strategy on how to move forward. Um, and with that, it was able to save me a lot of hours. Um, and not only like improve like, my response rate, so that way I didn't have to spend nearly as much time networking to get the sort of same um, positive results out of it. But um, my resume looked better. So in terms of like share applications, my odds went up because of that, as well as I just had more tailored um, sort of content and advice in terms of what it is I need to learn. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, I guess um, before you join, be, before you join Wall Street Mastermind, so I mean, you have to talk about this with your parents, right? And I think I, I remember I spoke yeah. to your mom as well, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. how how did you and your mom like make this decision about like whether to join Wall Street Mastermind or not? And you know, and a lot of times students when they talk to their parents, maybe the student really wants our help, but the parents are a little more skeptical. I don't know if that was the case for you or not. So like, how, how did that conversation go? And like, did you have to convince your mom or like, how did you, how did you manage that? Yeah, so um, I had a discussion with my parents. They, um, the first discussion we had, like all the way beginning before even joining the program was whether or not investment banking would be a sort of good industry for me. Um, after mm -hmm. some discussion, like came to sort of the consensus that it would be. Um, and then they sort of, so they're like, um, the first generation of my family to have ever immigrated over here. I'm the first generation to be born here. So uh, they had never heard of investment banking. They were not sure what investment banking was, nor did they really sort of have any experience of like, or have ever heard of anyone going through the process to understand mm. um, the selectivity in it. Um, so at first they were a bit hesitant to say, uh, like you were able to like make it through Harvard and get to Harvard on your own. 
you were able mm -hmm. to like study for all these sorts of different exams on your own you were able to mm -hmm. take the sat without any sort of help like why is it that now you're going to need this sort of help and guidance and um i think the biggest part of the discussion was that um the odds just the sheer odds um in terms of statistics were very difficult um added to the fact that i started a bit late and just really wasn't nearly as competitive as an applicant as say like my roommate that like lived next door as an example mm -hmm. uh, so in that sense then it was very clear that um i needed to get like a game plan and most importantly i needed someone on my side um who i could like i had like always had my best interest in mind mm -hmm. uh, and who could work like work with me and with devoted amount of time um to sort of allow me to present my best self and prepare myself the best I could. Whereas like just looking at how I was sort of trying to prepare beforehand versus how I was preparing afterwards, uh, without like having joined the program, I'm not sure I would have made it all the way to like, the interviews or like receiving an offer in the end, just merely because like there's not enough hours in the day to work as inefficiently as I was doing. And it wasn't because that I wasn't working hard. I was putting a lot of hours and I really, really like wanted to get this job. It was just that like I wasn't, I didn't know what it is I needed to study. The problem was too large um, for me to sort of like grasp and understand without having someone that has like an intimate knowledge of the recruiting process and the recruiting timeline and how these, all these sorts of different sorts of things work as well as someone who's already worked in this to help me, give me the guiding camp. Yeah, yeah, got it. So then like, Let's talk a little bit about what we did together, right? So how would you say Wall Street Mastermind ended up helping you? Like, so obviously the first thing we worked on together was your application materials, right? Definitely, yeah, that was, um, so from there, like literally within the first week, I was able to see big improvements. Uh, we made like, we spent a lot of time working on my resume to craft it as perfectly as possible. Um, and the cover letter as well. I learned like a lot of different tips on resumes and cover letters I had literally never even heard of. Um, and just looking at the comparison between my resume beforehand and afterwards, like my parents and I both agreed that like it was night and day difference. Mm -hmm. um, and even after that, like as I was emailing out my resume um, to different bankers to try to network with, I noticed my response rate went up like tenfold almost, um, just because like I had a better formatted resume, my resume was more appealing. Um, and really like hit my strengths more than I could have done alone. Um, obviously, like when it came time to like send in my applications, that improved my odds as well than if I had like basically a shitty resume. Um, well, I want to I want to um, highlight something you said there, which is a lot of times people don't realize this, but they they come to me and they say, "Oh, I'm like been networking so much, and like I'm not getting anyone to respond to me," and they think oh like something's wrong with the email i'm sending out or yeah maybe it's this maybe it's that and it's like a lot of times it's actually none of that and it's actually just your resume sucks right yeah exactly um, or your linkedin profile sucks and when people decide when they're deciding hmm, do i want to spend 30 minutes of my day talking to this guy and they look at it and they're like this guy has no chance then it's not really anything personal they just don't want to waste their time yeah, yeah, because these these people that um, you're trying to network with are very busy um, throughout the day, and like thirty minutes of their time, like means like they'll have to leave the office thirty minutes later that day, and they already stay in the office really, really late usually. So it it just makes sense that 
um, if you're not presenting yourself in the best possible light to them, then obviously they'll look at you. They'll say like, there's not really a good shot for this person. It's not worth my time nor their time for me to talk to them. And that's part of the reason why I felt my response rate was low. If anything, I didn't really need to change my email like too much. My email was already like decently well formatted. It really was just resume where, and I noticed I would get, um, like after joining the program, I would get comments from people that I was recruiting with like, oh, your resume looks like really strong. Um, and that's like part of the reason why like I decided to hop on the phone with you. That never happened before. And it was more people. Uh, and I noticed like people would start conversations before joining the program, like um, asking me like if I knew what investment banking was and giving me very like general, general advice as if like I was like, completely new to the process rather than whereas like at that point I'd already spent a month with networking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all just because of like the way I was presenting myself in the resume on my LinkedIn um, just wasn't as professional nor as tailored to my strength as I guess it could be. And, and the crazy thing is, I mean, none of your experiences actually changed, right? It wasn't, oh. <laughs> like, it wasn't like when you came into the program, we added like all these new internships to your resume. It's like, no, we don't have time for that. We just took what you already had, but we're just packaging it together in a much more relevant and much more impressive way for the investment bankers. And the substance of it is the same, but it's the, the marketing aspect and the, and the packaging that, that college students don't usually know how to do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I sort of, um, before coming, I thought my resume was great. Uh, my resume was super strong, but like after going through multiple rounds of edits, like I said before, it was a night and day difference. Um, I kind of couldn't even believe it. Um, that, like, I didn't change like any of the sections. I didn't change any of like like um, internships that I've done or the projects I worked on. I just all that changed was just sort of the descriptions, um, and I sort of learned how to better sell myself through mm-hmm. uh, those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Look, like that affects your networking, but that affects your interview as well, right? Like a lot of times you go into the interview, and the interviewer already has your resume in front of them, and based on how good your resume looks, that affects their first impression of you before you even open your mouth, right? Right, right. And it also affects how you feel about yourself. Like when you have this super awesome resume sitting in front of them, you feel more confident as a candidate, right? Right. Uh, And then that affects how, that affects how you talk, that affects, you know, all the nonverbal cues. And it just, it has so so many um, trickle down effects to like the rest of the recruiting process. Uh, which is why it's always one of the first things that we work on, right? right. Um, and so, okay, so you start getting a ton more responses with networking, which is obviously a huge first step, but then um, you still had to kind of win these people over, right? You still had to talk to yeah. them, win them over, um, which before sounds like you were having a lot of conversations, but wasn't really able to do that. So what do you feel like changed uh, on the networking side of things? Yeah, so um, obviously the response rate really improved just like after improving the my resume. Um, and then in terms of networking, we also had done some work on um, strategies to use, like, well, if I was able to get someone on the phone, like what are ways to build rapport? What are, uh, almost in a sense, like um, strategies to use to get them to like me to sort of get them to open up um, to me. And I noticed after that, obviously it took some practice uh, to sort of apply the strategies that Sam had given me. 
But like as once I started picking those strategies and skills up, um, I noticed that like I got much warmer responses from people. People were much more willing to ha- help me and in my resume to pass me and on um, to another banker to talk to to pass me on to a superior or like uh, um, was able to speak to some VPs and managing directors because of this. Um, and in fact, like these are sort of the strategies that like are be even beyond the recruiting process just good to know uh i started using it in sort of like almost everyday life because i just sort of noticed that oh this is like good ways to build rapport with people like no matter what conversation no matter what the setting is right right yeah i mean really what networking is is you're just interacting with another human being but you're trying to accomplish two things right you're trying to one um get them to like you because you need them to want to help you right Right, right. Uh, because sometimes even they they can help you doesn't mean they will because they don't really want to. Uh, and then the second thing is like you have to uh, impress them enough, like make them feel like you're uh, qualified and deserving of their help. And that hey, if I uh, refers George to my MD, my MD is not going to look at me funny and be like, why are you telling me why are you telling me to talk to this guy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, someone had actually said like, um, yeah, I'm happy to pass you on to the MD. Because um, based on our conversation, I don't feel like you'll embarrass me. Um, so like, it's right. exactly that. Uh, he made a very good point that like um, that is this, this is essentially his boss and he's taking a risk just to pass me on. That is literally the first thing that's crossing every investment banker's mind when you're networking with them. It's like they're doing the calculation of, um, is this guy going to make me look bad? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And- and if they don't, if they're, if they think you are going to make them look bad, or even if they're like, just not sure whether you will or not, they're not going to take a chance. Right. Cause there's, right. they don't get anything for helping you. Right. They have to be absolutely confident that you're not going to make them look bad. And also ideally you're going to make them look good. Right. It's like, yeah. yeah. And, and so that, that's really what networking comes down to. And so that's a lot of what we worked on. And so that obviously having that turn around um, is key to, getting you the interviews because we all know that nowadays without referrals from people who are working at the banks, it's almost impossible to get interviews. Right. 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 You're just like sort of the name on a spreadsheet um, without any sort of contact. In fact, actually, I think uh, the networking efforts was pretty essential for me getting my final offer. Um, In the phone call they gave me when they gave me the offer, uh, they made a key point on like how impressed they were on like my networking efforts, how, well, I seem to fit in the culture with the conversation I had with all the different sort of bankers I reached out to and how much all the bankers really appreciated talking to, to me. Um, so in a sense, like your networking efforts go even beyond just getting you the interview because it makes, it really does make an impression on the banks and people talk to other people like your coworkers across the desk or people on different floors. Um, and as you talk to more and more people, your name gets passed around and you really do want to make a good impression on everyone that could have any sort of input on whether or not you do get the offer. Yeah. I mean, I always tell my, all of my clients, not just you, but we say that, uh, networking is the interview before the interview, right? It's right. Yeah. Actually just another form of interviewing. And by the time, if you've done a good job networking, like by the time you walk into the actual interview, people already have an opinion about you. Right. It's almost yeah. like, uh, I want to say like predetermined that you're going to get the offer. Like obviously you still got to, you know, do well in the interview, but like, you're going in probably with a leg up on some of the other candidates that um, didn't make as good of an impression going in, right? Um, yeah, in fact, in one of my interviews, uh, 
I had asked the someone who had interviewed like right before I did in the time slot before, and he said like, yeah, she asked me like all these really tough technical questions, and I was like, oh, really? Like, I uh, to give some sort of background, I had already like knew her and had like a good relationship with this bank, but when she did interview me, all she really asked was just off my resume. Um, to sort of describe my work experiences in a bit more detail for them. I think it's because of that, because they already had a really good impression of me that I was lucky enough to. Right. Yeah, that's a great point too, which is like the person that's interviewing you, they're just human, right? And so when someone has a good first impression of you, human tendency is like the entire interview is really just a process for them to find evidence that already confirms what they're already thinking right yeah yeah. and so if they already like you they're not trying to go super hard on you they're just like you know trying to um like find things to back up their decision to like pass you on to the next round but if they don't like you right off the bat or if you don't make a good first impression or you know your answer to tell me about yourself sucks then it's almost like impossible to overcome the bad first impression because the rest of the interview they're looking for ways to ding you right right um, and so now it's like well let me ask them all these super hard technical questions just so i get them to trip up right yeah yeah exactly um in a sense it it's a bit unfair on the part of the interviewer but it makes complete sense they were more excited to be interviewing me they like uh my first round interview were like it was more hoping that I would get in as compared to my peer just because of the first impression I'd made and because of all the effort I made to get to know the bank as well. Yeah, it is unfair, although life is not fair. And uh, it never helps to get the job is most important, right? Right. No, I mean, you you did what you were supposed to do to um, get that advantage. And so you deserve to have it, right? Exactly. Uh, So then you still, nonetheless, though, uh, let's not make it seem like you uh walked in there with the offer in hand already you still had to interview right so right yeah behavioral technicals like you said coming into the program you felt like on the behavioral maybe you were at a six out of ten uh, technicals are super low like you said a two or three out of ten so then like how did you fare in the actual interview by the time you got the interview so um I was just very lucky to be working with Sam. Um, it saved me a lot, a lot of time on the technicals. Like, as I mentioned earlier, like I had the 600 page textbook sitting in front of me and I'd read maybe like a hundred pages of it before joining the program. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I'm never going to make it through this textbook. And even if I do, like, I'll have to like literally take notes on it, study it and like try to like, just like share, memorize it. Um, whereas I didn't realize that I guess I had no real framework to really make this decision myself as to what parts of like, say the book or what part of technicals are more important to study than others. And so like the studying was just going very, very haphazard. Uh, And I think it was most important that like just through the program and all the resources that Sam was able to provide, it saved me a lot more time on prepping technicals and I prepped technicals uh, enough to, but I think what was far more important and turned out to be far more important in the actual interview was um, the behaviorals, which um, Sam again emphasized as we work together that um, to really get my behaviorals down um, and to like get the technicals um, good enough that, because like in the sense, right, I'm going to a school where like I've never taken corporate finance. We don't have any sort of dedicated business program or finance program. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, 
Um, they're looking to show that you've prepped the technicals enough that they understand that you have a good work ethic, you really care about this job, you have an interest and passion in the sort of content, and you've put your own homework in um, to do the studying that needs to be done for the technicals. But really, I never realized that you don't have to do much more than that, right? I don't have to be an expert on everything possible in investment banking. That's something that they're going to teach me a program or in the training program. And that's, I'm never going to be able to like beat the managing director sitting across from me and sort of knowledge <laughs> of all these, of all the ways the deals work. But what I can do to get a leg up on my competition, if I can't like be smarter than the managing director at finance is to really, really hone in on the behaviorals. So I, I prepped the technicals enough that I was very comfortable that I knew like, okay, if I get any question that like is either expected, pretty standard, or questions that like it would be unreasonable for me not to have prepped, then like I should prep those. But beyond that, um, I turned my focus and attention into behaviorals to prep those the best that I could to really be able to sell myself the best. Mm -hmm. um, and in the end, that's what gave me sort of the leg up over most of my competition, right? I was able to answer near every single technical correct, but then again, most of the rest of my competition, if they've made the final round, also are able to. What is going to set the difference apart in terms of getting the offer is how well the bank feels that you'll be a culture fit, whether or not they want to work with you and like to work with you, whether or not the managing director will trust you to work on the live deal. Hmm. That's a great point. That's a great point, man. Yeah, which is, I tell people this all the time too, it's like, look, technicals are important. Like you can't flunk your technicals because then that just shows that you don't care enough, right? Right, right. If you know your technicals, so will your competition. Like your technicals are not going to be so much better than everyone else is that they hire you purely just based on that. Right. Right. On the behavioral side, you actually can stand out because everybody's answers is different. Unlike the technical questions. Right. Um, but people always say like, well, behaviorals, I mean, that's, that's easy. Like I just, I'm just talking about myself. But I've done plenty of behavioral interviews. So I think I'm pretty good there. Right. What do you feel like was the biggest benefit of working with Wall Street Mastermind on your behaviorals? Like, what was it that you couldn't have done on your own? Like, why didn't, like, what, 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 what's the big deal there? Yeah, so I think that the most important thing that really came out of the behavioral prep that we did, um, and what sort of set me apart a lot was not only, like, obviously, uh, um, with or without the program, I'd be able to describe my experiences, like, well, I'd um, be able to talk about, like, my strengths and weaknesses, right? As, but that's true of any interview, and no matter like what we've been able to do. With the program, we really were able to, or I was really able to, sort of get an understanding and a strategy going into like all of my interviews as to how, because in a sense, right, we had talked earlier that networking is almost like the interview before the interview. Sort of what really set me apart that I noticed was um, even if the interviewer wanted to be really, really cold with me, or really, really hard. Uh, I was able to oftentimes to get them to open up. In fact, in some of my first time interviews, like I had interviewers that would like um, laugh at a joke. I was able to do things like that. And that really, really sets you apart rather than someone who just sort of passively sits there and answers questions, right? Because you can sit there all day and just sort of memorize like a scripted answer, but they'll be able to feel that if it feels as if you're reading off of a script in your head. They'll be able to feel like... Um, that the interview doesn't flow like a conversation should. Mm -hmm. uh, and that really set me apart when it came down to like 
uh, their first round, their final round, if I was able to, like, I noticed an extreme difference. If I could get the interviewer to literally enjoy interviewing me for those 30 minutes, like, I knew without a doubt that I'd be moving to the next round. But in the cases where, like, say I was unsuccessful in doing so, um, it was maybe like a 25-75 odds as to whether or not I would get the interview or being 25% or not get the next round, 75%. Right. Uh, so the way I look at it is, um, sure, like, you, you can do behavioral prep, like, on your own, um, but it's difficult to sort of learn the strategy in terms of how to best leverage your own behavioral answers, how to best build a sort of cohesive image of your own person. Mm. And I think a, a, a slightly different way of saying what you just said is also that you could prep for it on your own, but if you were at a six coming in, it's not because you weren't trying to be at a 10, right? Yeah, exactly. Because after you tried to do everything the best you know, the best way you knew how, and you got to a six, you knew your answers probably weren't quite out of 10 yet, but you also couldn't really identify what was the, what was missing. Right. And so, right. Right. I just sort of had no clue as to what my strategy should be in terms of prepping, like what type of say, um, I guess something that was to maybe make this more concrete. Um, what was just most useful is saying, identifying exactly what like traits, um, that like Sam and I felt that both I had and that investment bankers are in general looking for and that traits are that are very important to investment banking. Um, yeah. And thinking about that more concretely helped me to better refine all of my different behavioral answers. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, like I would spend maybe an hour, say, prepping an answer to what are your strengths. And I would look at it and say like, okay, this is the best that I could do, um, I think. But without having, say, a second pair of eyes, someone that actually understands the learning process, without having uh, sort of like better just knowledge of the industry and what type of work environment happens in investment banking, it's just very difficult to actually improve any of these behavioral answers beyond what you just generate from your own head. Right. And I mean, and the great point on getting a second set of eyes, but also you don't want to get the second opinion from just anybody, right? You want... Yeah. Cause a lot of people can give you advice. Like, I mean, shit, you can go on wall street Oasis and post your answer there and get feedback and you'll probably get a bunch of people giving yeah, you yeah, yeah. garbage advice. Right. But like, you know, like if you're going to get advice on something that's so subjective, like a behavioral answer, you want the person who's giving you advice to be someone who's really, really experienced and has seen a lot of different, different, like a lot of different people um, answer that type of question. Right, because then they actually have a large enough sample size of data to kind of benchmark you against, as opposed to just maybe giving you their opinion, which is just one person's opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think even beyond that, uh, like while working with Sam, we were able to better tailor like my answers to my own personality. Uh, in a sense, like, as you said, it's very subjective, all these behavioral questions and answers. There could be many different ways to answer a behavioral question but it's also going to depend on your personality and what you can do to best sell yourself. Sam really like uh, knows me much better. Uh, and because he also knows me well, knows the industry well, knows these types, what happens in this recruiting process, it's the best of like, all three worlds. Mm, got it, right. Cause like if you just ask some random banker, 
Right. Yeah. So your behavioral is they're not going to be able to tailor anything for you. They'll just give you what they would say, but that's that's not actually something like playing it to you. It might not work for you basically because it's not it doesn't align with your experience and your background and your personality and so on and so forth. Exactly. Got it. Makes a ton of sense, man. So I guess uh, with all that said, obviously you nailed your application, you nailed the, the networking skills, you got really good at interviewing, uh, which obviously you put all of that together is what allows you to ultimately get to a positive outcome. So can we tell people where you're going to be going next summer? Yeah, yeah. So um, I have not been placed yet, but I'll be doing investment banking with Barclays. Um, ideally, I'm hoping to be working with their power and utilities group. Um, very, very excited. Barclays had always been high on my list. Um, I think that um, in terms of just the actual placement results uh, and the offer I got, like it's a great culture fit for me. I really, really like all the people I met. Uh, they were all been like super generous and open to me. Uh, so super excited and happy with the results. And uh, I, upon getting the offer, I took it almost immediately. You took a what? Upon getting the offer, I took um, the offer almost immediately. Uh, got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, when you're excited enough about an offer, there's no reason to wait, right? Of course. Uh, and it's kind of crazy how much things can change in, I guess, what, two and a half months, right? Because that's kind of how long. Yeah. yeah, we hadn't been, yeah, I'd only been part of the program for about two months, maybe two and a half months. And like, it was almost a 180 like, change in terms of <laughs> how confident I was feeling and like to get the actual results. Um, and I think just looking back in retrospect, um, and of course it's always easier to look back in retrospect, but I think like um, if I never joined the program, like, would not have had the results I had today. Uh, may not have even gotten through, like, gotten even a first round interview um, at like some of the banks that. Right, you would probably still be sending out hundreds of networking emails and not getting a lot of responses and just being stuck on that step of the process. Right? Yeah, yeah, and I sort of uh, couldn't even believe like uh, the like final results that I got because just looking at myself on paper. Um, as like we mentioned all the way in the beginning, I have no relevant finance experience and the fact that I'm able to um, sort of pull it all together and make it to the full bank banks. Incredible to me um, because like I'd always heard from my peers, like, Oh, if you have like no like relevant finance experience, you should start somewhere small, some maybe like a smaller investment bank. Um, but no, I was able to go all the way to the big full bracket. So that was really cool. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I mean, what I like to tell people is, you know, going back to some of the things we talked about earlier, which is like, hey, all the information is out there already. Like, why do you even need help, right? Um, I always tell people, it's not about information. It's about transformation, right? Yeah. Like, we, you didn't need more information. You needed, you needed us to help you transform as a candidate. Not that you weren't already a good candidate. Like, all of this stuff was already inside of you, obviously. We just have to help you bring it out. Right. And a lot of times people don't know how to bring out like the best part of themselves. Um, and they just need someone who who's been doing this for a long time to give them some pointers. And then it's all there already. Right. Exactly. Uh, and if it's in if it's in you, but you don't know how to tap into it, that's the worst. Right. Because it's not like you're not smart enough to do banking or you don't you're not hardworking enough or you're not qualified or whatever. It's none of that. Right. It's just but just because you didn't know how to bring it out. Um, 
and that could change the entire trajectory of your career. I mean, how, how, how disappointing would that have been? Right. Um, so anyway, I'm super, super happy for you and super, um, excited that, uh, you were able to go through such a huge transformation in such a short amount of time. Um, do you have any last minute advice for people who are listening besides all the awesome uh, things you've already shared with everyone? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, like, uh, as I've probably already alluded to throughout the interview, I highly recommend the program. Uh, but in terms of more, just more general advice, I think um, a lot of the times, like throughout the, re- the recruiting process is very long, very arduous, you have to put a lot of work into it. Um, but just always have faith, like throughout the time you're working through the recruiting process, that um, if you're putting in the right amount of hard work, if you're working effectively, efficiently, and working in smart ways, um, even if it looks bleak at certain points during the process, like uh, there'll be rewards to come at the end. Yep, yep. If it looks bleak, um, you just got to figure out a way to change what you're doing, right? Mix exactly. it up. Um, don't keep doing the same things and expect different results, but like let your ego down and get the help that you need. And then things can turn around in a very short amount of time. Right. 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 Cause like back in June, uh, things looked really bleak for me. Uh, wasn't getting like much, uh, sort of traction with any of sort of the efforts or the hours I was putting in. So I, again, I was very lucky that I realized I needed to change and I was able to find that change. Uh, and so for any listeners out there, like, uh, don't be afraid to sort of go out of your comfort zone and find that change that you need to do, because this is a really honestly like a lifetime off once in a lifetime opportunity and it's best not to screw it up. All right. <laughs> yes, indeed. A hundred percent. Cool, man. That's awesome. So guys, I think there you have it, right? Um, I think this is a very inspirational uh, story for all of you. Hopefully maybe you're feeling a little bit behind in recruiting right now maybe you discovered that you want to do investment banking relatively late uh, maybe you don't have a whole lot of relevant experience maybe you've been putting in a ton of time and effort already but you're just not seeing like the fruits of your labor right um if that's the case like it doesn't mean that it has to stay that way right you just have to be willing to first of all have the self-awareness right that yeah. You might need help because like everything starts with self-awareness. A lot of people like they don't even realize that they need help, in which case they just stay stuck forever. Right. But if you have the self-awareness, you know, you need the help. Um, there's no shame in getting help from, you know, people who know more than you. I mean, like every successful person that I've ever met has had mentors who have helped them along the way. Right. That's just, this is the fastest way for anybody to, basically climb that mountain and, and, and to, you know, reach new heights that you haven't, you haven't been to before on your own. Right. And so if that's kind of what you're looking for and, you know, you want help, um, not just like, you don't, you're not just looking for someone to give you more information, but you want someone to actually help you, uh, undergo this transformation as a candidate, right. And tap into what you already have inside of you. Um, then I want you to reach out to us. You can schedule a free strategy session with us. Um, you speak to someone on our team so that we can learn more about your situation. And then together we come up with a plan uh, that we think is going to work best for you um, and figure out, hey, if it, wor- if it makes sense for us to help you execute that plan 
or maybe sometimes like you can just execute the plan yourself. Either way is fine. Right. But you're going to get a lot of clarity on this, on this call. And then uh, either way, you know, you're going to be better off and be one step closer to that end goal that you set for yourself than where you are right now. Okay. So I can promise you that. Um, so if you want to schedule this free strategy session, you can go to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. Okay. Um, the street in the URL is abbreviated to ST. So it's wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And, uh, you know, you'll get to speak with someone on, on our team or you might get to speak with me. I don't know, depending on uh, the scheduling. And uh, we will do our best to help you get that coveted investment banking job that, you know, only 1% or less of the applicants are actually getting. So, Jack, um, I want to thank you again for taking the time on a Sunday to talk to us. And uh, I know you're super busy with school and everything. I mean, it never stops, right? You finished recruiting. Now you got to catch up with school. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure all of our listeners really appreciate hearing your story as well. And uh, obviously, super uh, proud of you for just, you know, how far you've come in just two short months and super excited for you. Uh, for the success that uh, you've been able to achieve. And so, uh, you know, look forward to seeing what else is in store for you, you know, especially as you go through the summer internship next summer, uh, eventually get the full-time offer and uh, wherever you end up for full-time, um, definitely let's stay in touch and keep me posted on the progress you're making. And, uh, you know, as always, um, once oh, I always tell people, once you're uh, in the Wall Street Mastermind family, you're always in the family, right? And so right. Um, look forward to continuing to uh, support you along the way with your career. And uh, yeah, man, um, thanks for coming on. No, absolutely. Um, I hope I get to hear from you more success stories like me. And just thank you again for uh, spending all the time working with me through the program. Uh, results never would have been like they were um, without you guys. It's my pleasure, man. I love... Uh, I love hearing stories like this. It's kind of what gets me up in the morning. So uh, I want I want to thank you for being an awesome client and being easy to work with and uh, and uh, getting an amazing outcome for you and for us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, great story for everyone. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys, um, that'll be it for today. So thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, you know, as always, we'll be back with uh, more of these client interviews for you guys in the near future. Okay. All right, guys. Talk to you later.